Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, I'm excited to talk with TV news journalist Stacey Sakai. After nearly 15 years in front of the camera for local TV stations in Maryland, Texas, and California, Stacy was recently named news director of KION 546 and Telemundo 23 in Monterey County, California. Stacy is an Emmy and Associated Press award-winning anchor and reporter, and I was lucky enough to work with her when we were both new TV reporters on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm It's a pleasure to join you. It has been a long time since uh, we have actually seen each other. It has. (laughs) I don't want to say how long, right? (laughs) I know. Let's not give away our ages, but uh, exciting to speak with you now since we started our careers together. Yeah. So for those who don't know, can you walk us briefly through your career? So I started in 2002 after graduating from UC San Diego. I started as a reporter uh, in Salisbury, Maryland. And I spent three months, I believe, doing that. And then I worked as a morning anchor and in the evening anchor. And I I really stayed a long time. I was offered so many opportunities. I had the best news director. And I stayed, I believe, through 2010. And then I moved on uh, to 2000 in 2011. I moved to Texas and I became the main anchor at, in Amarillo mm-hmm. for the CBS affiliate, which is a big legacy market there. Uh, and I had the most amazing experience, the best news director, the best GM. I've just been so lucky, the best co-anchors, the best chief meteorologist. I've just had a really blessed career that I've moved in positions where I've met uh, an amazing colleagues and talent. So, uh, from there, I, then my, um, my son's father and I, we moved to Lompoc because he was California. Uh, mm-hmm, Lompoc, California. Yep. Because he was in the military and he was, uh, restationed and he got a big promotion. And so it was a big deal. And so we moved there and, and I was extremely lucky <laughs> to, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's very difficult for uh, people in our positions to pick a place and say, I need a job there. Right. Uh, and <laughs> you usually I, go wherever for the job, <laughs> not go to a place and then get a job there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I actually, when my agent called me and said that they were offering me a morning anchor position, I didn't believe her <laughs> because <laughs> normally only I've just been more of an evening anchor personality. So I was so happy. I had such a great time there. I spent four years there and then I got the opportunity. I, I, you know, I think that in this business and I don't know how you feel about it, but at the age of 40, I decided I really wanted to transition off air. And mm-hmm. that's a difficult transition to make when all you've done has been on air. Um, I think being in smaller markets, I've always done everything so I could produce, I can be a digital content director, right. I can be a reporter. So that um, I, I ended up getting a writing job at KTVU in the Bay Area. And uh, I worked with some of the best talents um, 
in the country, if not in the world. And, uh, I, for a year I grew so much. I I just, the time I spent there was just, yeah, it was definitely amazing. Sounds like it. So what are some of your most memorable moments in front of the camera? You know, I think that we always remember tragedy. Uh, we spent at KYT in Santa Barbara, we spent 36 hours nonstop on air. The news director was determined that I, yeah, it was, we never left and we were Facebook living everybody. We were asking, trying to answer any questions they had. Um, the Thomas fire was just so intense and it was one of the biggest wildfires in California's history until, um, something happened up in Northern California, but, um, it was, it was ruthless and it was heart-wrenching. And then I, and I think that what I remember most, because nobody, uh, maybe actually one person perished in that fire, but the one, the one thing I remember about that event, cause we just were doing like 12 hour shifts and we were just on the desk for four hours and then we get a break and then somebody else would come sit up there for us. I just remember there was a firefighter who died and I can't remember his last name, but I know his first name was Corey. Cause that's my brother's name. Mm-hmm. And he had a wife and a two-year-old and <sighs> she was pregnant. And <sighs> I just thought, you know, that was it for me. Like it was just one of those moments where people that just go and sacrifice everything for strangers. Yeah. It just, it just is, I feel like it's why we do what we do. So uh, that was one of the shows and one of the events we actually won the Emmy for was our reporting okay. on the Thomas fire. Uh, but it was, it was very draining. And on, and that I shouldn't even say draining on us because somebody lost their life, but right. it was emotionally difficult. Um, so following yeah. that, once we got out of the Thomas fire, we had the Montecito mudslides and that's where people actually did die. We lost, I believe 21 people. And that mudslide, um, yeah, that was really difficult because I had been driving from Lompoc to Santa Barbara. And I remember there was this huge flash storm and it was very difficult to maneuver the car, like on the road and with all the rain. And I just remember going like five miles per hour, trying to like get to work. And one of our lead reporters in Santa Barbara, John Palmentary, who is one of the greatest reporters ever. He took it upon himself to be out there trying to figure out what was happening because he could see that one of the mansions in Montecito had moved off its foundation and it was still dark out. Yeah. It was really still dark out when we were on air and he was going live, I believe at 5am and we didn't know until the sun came up exactly what had happened and how bad it was and that people were literally buried in debris and that the entire 101 was covered in debris. So, and two people still, two children, not even people, children, somebody's babies are still buried or are missing. Oh my goodness. So that's, that's my most memorable. Yeah. And as a journalist, it's hard. I mean, you know, we constantly cover those type of stories. I mean, not, not always on that scale, depending on what it is. And it's, it's hard. You have to take a step back from it, but then Mm -hmm. when you, when you really have a chance to think about what's going on, it's, I mean, you're human and a a person. So your, those emotions are going to affect you. You know, how do you, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
it's hard to just keep it together. I'm sure it is. Yes. I mean, I think, I think my son was about two at the time when I was there and there was a two-year-old pulled from the mud and by, I believe it was a little girl, but they were pulled by themselves from the mud. And where was the mom? We didn't know. Uh, I remember watching a stretcher go by and I thought, oh my gosh, did we just show a dead body on air? Which thank God that person was still alive, but it was so emotional. All of it was just extremely emotional. Yeah. Do you have stories that you weren't able to tell that you wanted to? You know, I, I've never been at a station where there's not a story to tell. I think there are, you have to be sensitive about certain stories, Mm -hmm. Um, but I've never been at a station where I've been under management where you couldn't tell a story. It's just, sometimes it's difficult. No, I've never been anywhere when I wasn't allowed to tell a story, but I've definitely have to, I've had to do like workarounds. Like how can I do this in a sensitive way? that it's evenly balanced. Uh, and that's always been sort of my motto. You can tell any story as long as it's fair. Yes. And you know, that brings me to my next question is there's been a lot of negativity towards journalists in recent years. You know, how have you dealt with that? I feel we don't deal with it on the local level as much as they do, uh, at the national level because Mm -hmm. they editorialize so much and they have commentators. True. So we, we really don't, we don't do that. You know, what we do is we go out and we try and give you both sides. And we feel as if our viewers are intelligent enough, compassionate enough, and have the ability to decide for themselves how they feel about the issue. We're really just telling it. We're telling the news of the day, stories that we believe impact people's lives and matter. And we're just showing up and showing out for it, but we're not trying to, we're not trying to push anybody in any, in any single direction. Yeah. So you haven't seen any of that national, uh, the feelings towards the national media um, or commentators on the local level. You not for us. That. Yeah. Not for us. That's good. And so after nearly 15 years in front of the camera, why did you, you know, you talked a little bit about it, but why did you make that leap to behind it? I always wanted to be uh, in management. You know, I felt that yeah. I knew it was going to come at a certain time. I knew I didn't not want to go. I did not want to be on air forever. I knew that up front. Uh, and then I wanted to have my own team. I wanted to lead an, a news team into something great. And I think we're on our way. We've been doing really well. Uh, I started here in November and I think we're making strides and we're, we're really, really, really tight knit group. Uh, between Telemundo 23 and, and KION, we all do cross training. So my K, my Telemundo anchors are doing, I just had to stop and come in here and do this interview because I'm actually cross training my Telemundo anchors to anchor in English. Uh, but it's, it's important to me that everyone feels valued. Everyone's happy to be here because let's face it. We spend so many hours at work Yes, and it is important for me that you are doing something you love. Because let's face it, we know that this job is not in the beginning to pay as well. Right. <laughs> you know, <it's> <laughs> or even market. farther on sometimes. It does not <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> I know that. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. They make, they make way more than I did when I started. Uh, so, you know, I, I want them to be happy and I want them to be able to experience what they want to experience. So the producers report, they anchor. I want them to all feel as if they're valued and that we hear them, you know, that, if you want to do this, then you should be allowed to try it. 
if it doesn't work out for you, then that's something we can have a conversation about. But, uh, you know, I have a lot of years of, uh, being criticized and having a cons- I mean, constructive criticism, <laughs> but you know, consultants coming in. And so I feel like I have a lot to give to this talent and I don't believe that there's anybody in this newsroom that can't do, uh, exactly what they want. And I believe in all of them. That's so wonderful. What does your role really encompass? You know, we know the news director is in charge, (laughs) but what does it really, you know, what do you, a lot of, a lot of recruiting, um, a lot of recruiting, a lot of hiring because we have two-year contracts. So coming into this job, I came into it with so many people going, I will say this though. I, I believe that we are already gaining ground in our reputation because when I came here, you can find people to hire, um, just because California is so expensive to live. And now someone like the top schools that I've reached out to really have sent me a lot of resumes. I have a lot of resumes on my desk. I'm very happy. (laughs) That is Um, great. I know that in some, I mean, the, my, um, reporting days in Tennessee, I was told that there were 300 applications for the one job, um, that I got. So I know that that's, (laughs) so it really depends where you're at. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not at that level. Thank you goodness. <laughs> right. That's almost too much, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But USC, Annenberg, and then AASU, um, Cronkite has been great to us too. I mean, we, we are really looking for the top talent and, and what we're trying to do is when they come in, you know, as you're asking, like what I do on a daily basis is like, we want to nurture talent that comes in and make them top talent and push them out and then gain a reputation for ourselves that we really are, um, a breeding ground for like the best of the best. And we want people to look to our station to know that we are finding the best journalists out there coming out of school. A couple of the people I have coming in now, this is going to be, they're not coming out of school. This is their second job. And so we really are finding amazing talent and they want to be here. I mean, it is, it is Monterey, Carmel, Pebble Beach. So it's beautiful. Santa Cruz, San Benito County. Uh, there, is be- there are beautiful places here. So I know it's nice. It's just expensive to live in California. And yeah. um, so, yeah. So, uh, that, so during the day, I do try and take time uh, and rewrite scripts a lot because of my experience at KTVU. Uh, I'm a pretty fast writer and I go in and definitely try and, and do that uh, to help the new reporters just in the producers, I, I go through the rundown and, and rewrite their stories and just say, Hey, look, uh, this sentence that's 20 words can be 10. It can be five. It can be four. We can figure out how to make it shorter and more concise. Uh, and it's easier to understand on air. You know, I think that if you ever have to read through a sentence twice and it's on print, then how does anybody on air understand it the first time? So we do a lot of that. And then, uh, again, just a ton of hiring and, you know, putting out fires. There's obviously sometimes (laughs) like conflicts, but at the end of the day, I've, the management style I've chosen to take is asking people to come in and squash it because there's nothing that happens in this workplace, you know, that is that bad that we need to have it overflow to a second day. Yeah. And, um, and we all get along really well. Uh, we, we just have a really good team. I have a great GM. She's definitely, um, 
the leader and she helps us figure out, you know, I think everything that happens in a newsroom goes from the top down Mm -hmm. and uh, she's fantastic. She's been with this company for 29 years. And so that I think says a lot about uh, any professional that to keep that position in the uh, TV industry, especially Uh, exactly, exactly. What are the things have you learned in the, in the past six months being in that role? So much. It's so much paperwork. (laughs) Uh, It's so much paperwork. It's so much of just the management role is different, you know, from going to reading scripts and going on on air and putting on your makeup and doing your hair. This is so much more just about, you know, building your team, building your brand, knowing where you want to go forward, because we're always trying to grow bigger and -hmm. better. And so how do you do that? I think being in a small market for my entire career, I've I've only been in in actually small markets. So I understand that there is a way to build and there's a way that you can try every single thing on air and it's not going to work. There are ways, there are other ways or backdoor ways to push your product and grow. And so we're doing really exciting stuff with social media, QR codes. Uh, We just got our TikTok account, Mm -hmm. which... I'm probably too old yet? for. I have. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, we're not too old for that, right? <laughs> no, I no, I told my boyfriend, I'm like, I'm officially on TikTok. <laughs> but you know, so you're cool it, it, now. <laughs> yeah, now I'm, I'm so much cooler. I'm gonna tell my son, I'm so cool now. Uh, he always tells me he's a YouTuber because he plays video games. Yes, kids. That's <laughs> why you're really not cool until you're a YouTuber for the kids. Like that's <laughs> yeah, you're really not cool until you have Twitch. I'm like, we'll be getting that next. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, just really exciting stuff with, and we have a fantastic promotion person. So we, in our digital content director is fantastic. We just have a lot of stuff in the works that I think we're going to keep continuing. We've grown already uh, a lot in every area. We've grown online, we've grown uh, on air with our product. And mm-hmm. so we're just going to continue to push and Every single person in this newsroom knows the goal and they know the trajectory and they push and push and push. And that's, you know, that's all I can ask for them. And in return, I hope that they feel as if I always hear them, like help them like achieve their dreams. Yeah. Are there things, you know, now that you wish you would have known when you were in front of the camera? Gosh, that's so crazy. Yeah. You know, for me, and I think this is interesting that you asked me that because for me and you were so different. Right. I think that you were so confident all the time. And I think that you have to like believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, whether that was you do or thing. not, you have to make it seem like you do. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's the one thing you learn though. And that's the one thing, you know, you see people off air that break down or have a problem. And when you're an on-camera person and you've done it for so many years, for 15 years, you realize you don't get to cry. You don't get to have a day off because your boyfriend broke up with you. You know, you have to sit up there, right? You don't, you can't miss a deadline. You can sit up there and you can cry during the commercial breaks, (laughs) which I did and come back on. But I think that what I liked about it was, uh, the discipline of the job. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything I look back and wish I did differently. 
Uh, I enjoyed all my years. I loved the camaraderie with my co-anchors. It's yes. kind of a teammate, you know? Yes. Um, and the meteorologist. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, especially in Texas. Uh, so, and even in, even in uh, Santa Barbara now, like uh, what Tony Cabrera, he's now in LA, but uh, just the camaraderie you have with these people and, and the, the relationships, it's just, you, it's like you go to war every day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. So I, yeah, I, uh, there's nothing I look back and wish I could change. Uh, cause I don't think that you're already under scrutiny in certain markets. I don't think I could take the scrutiny of big markets where say you have, 7 million people watching you and making comments, <laughs> right? You know, I, you gotta be, you have to be thick skinned. Thick skinned. Yes. You yeah. Do. And I, yeah. And so, I, and you know, my, my skin is only so thick and I did it for a long time and I truly enjoyed it. And t- Texas was my favorite place, to be honest. Uh, the people were so fantastic there and that's where my son was born. So he's a Texan. I can probably say <laughs> he has cowboy boots. He's the most um, adorable little boy, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Same with your kids. Yeah, no, that was, that was such a great experience for me. So, um, and I'm still very close with all of them. You know, I keep in touch with pretty much everybody I've worked with. Like, look at us. I mean, yeah. It's really a second family. I mean, it's hard to describe unless you're in it, but you definitely spend so much time together and working together as a team, even though you're doing your own stories that it, it really becomes that it's sure. Yeah. A special place. (laughs) It is. So I'm sure a ton of PR professionals, which is the side I'm on now, but reach Mm -hmm. out to you and your team, you know, all the time, what gets your attention? So I would say with PR, the one biggest mistake for anybody is it has to be, here's, it has to be timely, right? It has to be localized and it can't be like long press releases, right? Right. And, and, and I feel as if everyone wants to send emails and we delete them like it's nothing. Phone calls, that personal connection still matters, you know? I think that's, I think that's missed. And I don't understand why everybody's reverted to just emailing because when you call us, we're going to pay way more attention to you than if you email us. So, so for me, I'm just that personal interaction and, you know, talking to them and getting the story from them and deciding if it works for our brand, if it works for our viewers, uh, that's different than just getting these mass emails. Right. I know. It's just like, you can just delete it with a click of a button over and over again. Right. Like I, told, I, I do tell a lot of clients that, that we don't um, write news releases for the media anymore. We write them if you need it for a website or to be on the same um, wavelength on, you know, to make sure that we have all the talking points together, but sure. that is not what the media wants to hear. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that from you as well. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, you know, because so many of them, we'll send it and they'll send it again and again and again. And if they had called and had a conversation, maybe there's a way that we could say, oh, how does this relate to our, you know, our area? Does this affect our viewers? But so many times it seems it is, it does not. And I think it's the way that it's written as well. Uh, You know, for news, we write very short and concise. Uh, I don't think I write sentences that are more than like 10 words ever. Uh, 
I just, I don't. Yeah. And, and I think that I, I think you're exactly right. It's the personal connection. Yeah. Do you, do a lot of them call and reach out to you or just to the newsroom in general? Or what nope. do you think? No, they that? don't. No, they never do. Hmm. Nope. They don't. We don't get any calls really. We really? all, we only get emails. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember the last time we've gotten a call from somebody that's in PR. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we work with hospitals, you know, and right. like say the Monterey Bay aquarium or, uh, we have the pro-am tour here in Pebble beach. Like, yes, then we know those PR people and they're basically PIOs. So we do speak with them. We know all the fire officials, police officials, right, right. Uh, things of that nature. But, uh, no, I wouldn't say PR people call us. I- I've never received one Yeah. unless they're looking for video for something from us. And that's just like generally something that's like, you know, um, NPR or a right. public. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great tip. So I do have to talk about before we go, we have to talk yeah. horses because oh, I yes. remember your love for horses and you were Let's on the it. equestrian team in college mm-hmm. and have owned horses. And now yes. you have the cutest little rider <laughs> I've ever seen your son. Do you still ride? Uh, so I've ridden a couple of times. Okay. But, uh, you know, I rode for God, since I was 12 till I think I was 32. So I rode for like 20 years, hardcore. And, uh, and then it's just as an athlete, you break down. (laughs) So yeah, I've, I have that 40 mark, right? (laughs) I don't know. We don't know that yet, but I'm just saying. Oh, I'm 42. (laughs) No, it was definitely the 28 mark that uh, I realized like I fell off and I, and I, my back was just spasming and I I just thought, oh, you don't bounce anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You're not rubber. Yeah, no, I've taken bad falls and I'm like, oh, not anymore. Got it. Yeah. Now I'm an adult and I, that's not uh, a thing, but yeah. So I've done a couple of, I, I still do a couple of lessons once. I mean, I'll still ride. I do trail rides and, um, mm-hmm. I did a couple jumps a few months ago, but, uh, pretty retired, uh, just as on TV, I'm pretty retired from <laughs> the jumping world, but Jackson still continues to ride. And, uh, he's very naturally talented in the sense that it's very important when you're on a horse that you're relaxed and quiet. Yes. And I feel as if I moved too much all the time. Cause I'm just a fidgety person anyway. And he is, he just sits there like a block. <sighs> and so the horses react really well to him. Animals react really well to him. He's actually, uh, when we go to the barn, all he wants to do is like sit with the cat. He doesn't want to get on the horse. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's, four now, five. He, no, he's five and a half, five and a half. Okay. I know he's getting, Ugh, I know time flies wild. so quickly. Time flies. I know. No, I, when I look at your baby, I'm just like, wow, that's your, it's not a baby anymore. Oh, right. It's like, how did that happen? <laughs> and right. my daughter's um, doing horseback riding lessons as well. She started oh, at good. eight and has been doing them for about a year, I guess now at this point, but. Oh, nice. Yeah. My son rides at Springdown, uh, in Portola Valley and, uh, it was really nice during the pandemic because everything was so closed off that we were able to have that outlet. I, uh, started training there. And okay. so he got to come to camp with me 
and it was during a time where everybody was stuck inside and nobody was being able to do anything. And he got to spend five weeks at camp. So I can't say enough about that equestrian center. They are so good and so kind. And, uh, yeah, we did a lot of fun stuff there. What does he do on the horse on the horses? So he just, he walks and trots Okay, and then he does one of the things in camp is we do a lot of games at the end. We do red light, green light. We do, um, playing through combs and just a lot of, um, the horse care yeah, and taking yeah. care of the horses uh, and just being kind. You know, I, I always tell them, I say, you can use your voice before you use your legs and you mm-hmm. can use your legs before you use your heels. You need to think about how you would want to be treated. And Jackson's very, very kind. And he's very good about that. Um, I remember when somebody told him, Hey, kick her and say, let's go. And he's like, <laughs> and I thought, uh, that's my baby. <laughs> oh, you know, that is amazing advice in life too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we could yeah. all follow that, it would be, it would be a much better world. <laughs> I, yeah. I just know that I never with my horses, even my craziest horse that like, I think for the first year I got her with like rear buck, deer uh. hop, spin, and get me off. She never stepped on me. And I was like, I think that's because I gave her like five pounds of carrots before I got on, <laughs> but I'll never know for sure. <laughs> and she would think she wouldn't get any more if she stepped on you. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to get her off, but I'm going to go ahead and like not step on her head. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Stacey, it was so wonderful to talk with you. I thank you, you so much. Well. Of course. Thank you. It was a great opportunity. I appreciate it. all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined, available anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.